The infamous Corporal Kieran McKay. Aye, that's me. Impressive record. Multiple commendations for engineering excellence. With reprimands for insubordination, failures of discipline, and willful destruction of army property. Well, I don't always think things through. It says here that you're serving three weeks for hospitalizing your CO. Care to talk me through it? <laughs> Bunch of rookies on base barely three days in. Failed surprise inspection. That ray of sunshine decided the best way to teach them the error of their ways was to run them into the ground. Two of them developed hypothermia. Figured I'd give him a dose of his own medicine. Or at the very least, a dose of some of the strongest bowel unblockers I could find in the infirmary. That fucker got to do some running of his own that night. Never could stand bullies. Well, Corporal McCain, I've got a proposition for you that I think will be mutually beneficial. Excellent. And uh, we're live, and uh, wow, this has been a crazy month for me, anyway. Um, but here we, yeah, yeah, here we guys are with a final, the final episode for April. And for you guys wondering who the guest is going to be, why don't you introduce yourself, good sir? Uh, hi, Bill. My name is uh, Matthew Waterson, and I'm a voice actor. I work uh, pretty much in uh, across the board, voiceover-wise, but uh, recently I've been doing a lot of uh, animation and video games. And you might not know Matthew's voice, but you've heard it in, in a lot of video games, most recently as Torque from Call of Duty. Yep, that's right. Uh, the the most recent Call of Duty that uh, is out there, and the large, uh, red-bearded Scottish gentleman, which I was really excited when they first showed me the art for it, because they looked at it and I went, oh, I'm a large, red-bearded, not Scottish gentleman, but I was like, oh, it, it actually kind of looks like me, which is not always the case. So it's it's nice when sometimes you get something and you're like, oh, it, it actually you know bears some semblance to me. So, obviously, the first question would obviously be the most generic one, but we have to ask it anyway. <laughs> How did you get into acting in general? Uh, I, I, it's funny. I come from a, an entertainment family. My, my parents are both behind, uh, you know, behind the camera. Uh, my father was, a, was in production, and my mother was an, an assistant director. Um, and amazingly, none of that helped or guided me towards acting at all. I was going a completely different route. And then... Uh, uh, I sort of finished university and thought, I'm going to give this a go and, uh, and started from there. And, uh, so I managed to, to make a decision that I think stressed my parents out, but not from the, uh, the same position that a lot of parents might be stressed out going, well, you know, we don't know exactly what that is. That's a, a bizarre career. In my parents' case, they knew exactly what it was. And they sort of said to me, let us explain something. All of the friends of ours who you know who are actors, they are the tiny percentage who actually make a living at it. That's not what you should expect. Um, so they were they were sort of in a in a unique position to say, be really sure you want to do this because it is not an easy gig. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it was a uh, it was a combination of uh, just sort of having a gut urge to do it, and then having been around it in a peripheral way for a lot of my life and sort of secretly while I was studying things for a, a more normal career going, yeah, but that looks like a lot of fun. I feel like I would like trying that. So it, uh, I, I didn't really mention anything about that until really until I just about got out of university. So I kind of caught my parents unawares with that, uh, that little tidbit of, uh, of terror that I dropped on them. Uh, so yeah, that, that got me into it. Like I said, pretty much out of college. So I'm, you know, a couple of decades into it at this point And, 
so far, it's keeping me, uh, you know, it's keeping me entertained, which is about all I can ask for. And was it, but, is, it uh, is it kind of weird, like, jumping from on-camera to voiceover, or is it just... Like just... You know, I, I never really did on-camera. I did theatre, and uh, I was doing theatre in New York, and I had representation that covered both uh commercial and also voiceover and eventually i i got voiceover representation that started getting me a lot of work and i really enjoyed voiceover and voiceover actually paid whereas theater doesn't really pay it's very difficult to make a living in theater uh unless you're already famous so as uh as i started working more in voiceover and was actually looking like i could make a living at it i switched more into voiceover which was also nice because it doesn't matter how you look you suddenly aren't restricted to, well, these are the roles that you can play because this is how you look. And so that was, that was really nice and I enjoyed that part of it. And, and also nobody cares whether I've shaved. Nobody cares how scruffy I am. I can wake up, roll out of bed, roll into the studio. Most of the time it's in my own house. Uh, but even if I have to go out and it doesn't really matter whether I put myself together and look like a human being. So there's, there's some advantages to it that I really can't knock. Yeah, I mean that's that's what's great about voiceover. No one cares what you look like. You can just walk in looking like Alan Moore, and no one would bat an eye at you. <laughs> no, nobody cares. And you know, I, I for the last couple of years, I've had a large beard. Which, if I was on camera, you have to keep changing and shaving. And you know, if you're suddenly like, well, is this a thing? Because this is if this is a thing, we have to change how we perceive you. Um, Unfortunately, in voiceover, the only time you have to change it is if you're doing performance capture. So every now and then when I'm doing performance capture, I have to shave. But apart from that, I, I don't. Uh, and that, that freedom is nice. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's not something that usually comes with the gig. Usually you're having to adjust how you look every couple of months. And, you know, speaking of, you know, performance capture, you did the performance capture for The Order. Was that correct? Yeah, that was the first one. And I'd not done anything. I had not done it, uh, before. Any, I hadn't done any versions of it. I hadn't done like motion capture and that was the first performance capture. That was the first of any of that type of stuff that I'd done. And so there was a, it's, it's funny because when you see, videos or footage of people doing it, it, it looks bizarre. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. The, the people in the suits with the headgear and stuff, it, it looks, to be honest, you, you look pretty foolish. And uh, those outfits don't hide anything, so almost nobody looks good in them, so you have to kind of get over that pretty quickly. But having never done it before, it was, there was, it was a really interesting first thing to do it on because it was a big job. It, it, you know, it went over a long period of time. Uh, and also, it was we the, we were shooting that at, at a soundstage that Sony has down a little north of San Diego. It is massive. It's the one that they, I guess, use. I think they told me they use it when they're doing the performance capture, motion capture for like NBA Jazz or MB, whatever the NBA game is for uh, for Sony or for whoever. And it's big enough that they can set up a basketball court in it. So it's just immense. And so you walk into this like huge hangar that has all of these cameras around it and also all of this, what looks like adult version of like Tonka toys, because it's just bars and beams that they can reassemble to create outlines of different rooms or cars or carriages or things like that that sort of fill in for the stuff. And then they put you in these absurd suits and say, great. Now you have to imagine everything else because that's what this is. And so you're looking at somebody who's dressed equally stupidly as you are. And in your head, you have to say, okay, well, I'm looking at somebody in all of this brilliant sort of steampunk, Arthurian-inspired Victorian armor and, and outfits. Uh, 
which took a little getting used to, but is, is ended up becoming a huge amount of fun. And that game was that game was just a blast to do. Um, have you played that game? Yeah, I played it, and you know, I have my you know criticisms about it, but I won't you know get into that. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's funny. Like I I I, I know that uh, like the the whole way through when we were when we were recording that game and we were making that game. The, the makers of it were just, were talking about, like, talking about how it was going to look. They were saying, you know, visually, this is, this is a, a game that Sony is really leaning into for, for the look of it. And, uh, and, you know, they, they went and got the screenwriter for it who wrote, like, the John Adams miniseries from, for HBO. Like, they got a really good writer for it and, and all of this other stuff. And it, when they, I think when they actually put, like, the cutscenes together, it ends up effectively being, like, a two and a half or three hour movie. Um, and, it's uh and yeah i know that it didn't i I, well i don't know i i got the impression that uh given that there was hope that there were going to be more uh there were going to be sequels to it and and uh there haven't been yet uh i you know we always hold out hold out hope but it's uh at the moment i i have not heard any rumor of uh of one coming but it was it was a lot of fun to work on and uh, I was just blown away when I first looked at it, just visually. It was just pretty. It was a pretty game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks um, good, but, like, the problem with it is that once it transitions into the game aspect, it kind of creates this weird, like, um, uh, mood whiplash, as they call it. Like, you know, one minute mm. you're, you're, you know, you watch this, like, really serious cutscene, and the next you're struggling to shoot down, you know, what werewolves, you know? It just, right, right. It just creates this weird weird dichotomy of um like i don't know how to explain it it's, it just it just it's it's like watching game of thrones and then like transitioning into like mid, <laughs> midway into a scene uh, someone like struggles to kill someone with a with a fire axe or something you know it just right it's, you it's, you <laughs> you get dropped into the battle of the bastards and told you know here fight your way out yeah, it suddenly it. turns into Call of Duty where it's like you have this this, this <laughs> weapon you got to kill these guys go <laughs> yeah yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a really amazing thing. Like, I never, you know, I, I never worked on the other side of, of games things, but it's like listening to be, like people describing all of the stuff they're trying to do and all of the plans for a game and like, you know, like, well, we want to do this and this and this. And then you, you know, it, a lot of the time, I think like, like anything, a lot of the time, um, it takes, it just takes time to, to work out the kinks and things. And, and I, you know, I don't know because I'm never, pre- you know, I'm never, I'm not privy to it. But you're always kind of wondering. Okay, it's kind of like with movies. You know, when when a movie comes out, that you're like, oh, this looks like it's going to be great, and then it comes out, and you're like, it has problems. You go, okay, was this the filmmakers? Was this the studio? Was you know where where did you know where did things fall apart here? Um, and you you never know. You can never you know you can never find out. There's the, the number of movies that I've gone to see and come out of it going, that seemed like it was going to be so much better than it was. And it's kind of, um, I mean, looking at like the technical aspect as well as, as when it comes to these games, it's like you have to really like, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of blown away at some at some of the stuff like how, how far we've come, you know, graphics wise, because it's like mm-hmm. a couple years ago, I don't think a game like The Order could exist because, you know, the technology wasn't that advanced. But like now looking at it, it's just like, wow, they've pretty much gotten a human's facial expressions down to, to a point where it's kind of creepy, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's well. There's a the, what's it called? Like, yeah, uh, is it is it the uncanny canny valley? Is that yeah, the term for like? Valley. The, yeah, valley. and there's that thing you're watching where you're you're going, okay, like ideally you want it to look realistic, but then if it looks too realistic as humans, we just look at it and go, that feels wrong, that feels uncomfortable. 
Um, so like, it's, it's okay. It, it, I, and I don't know this. I don't know whether when they're, when they're sort of dialing these games in and, and take one like the order, whether like, okay, we want to make it as, as detailed as possible, but we have to still make it look a little bit like a game so that it doesn't freak people out. Um, I don't know. Like that, that just seems like such a fine line to walk. Um, but like the technology is, yeah, it's unbelievable because we made the order, what, like five, six years ago now. And there was one point when I was, when I was down there uh, working on something, working on it. And, uh, in between shots, I was just walking through the offices going on my way somewhere. And a couple of the guys, uh, were sitting at computers working and, and we started chatting and they said, Oh, look at this. They said, here, grab this camera. And it was a, it was a big sort of shoulder held camera. It looked like a camcorder from the, from the eighties, one of those big ones that takes like a full size VHS cassette. And they said, here, grab this and look through the viewfinder of it. And it was amazing because by, I could look through the viewfinder and now I was actually in one of the scenes we'd just been shooting and I was, the camera was effectively the camera on that scene. And so I could, you could like look around with the camera and look around the scene, um, sort of almost in real time. Like we just shot it and then you could sort of walk around it in, uh, in three, you know, 360 degrees, which was really cool and just blew my mind. Um, and yeah, like I had no idea that that was, I had no idea that that, that that was possible and that they clearly got to the point where they could make it work sort of flawlessly. Um, so there's, you know, there's a part of me that's just going, okay, what, what is the stuff that is, is happening right now that we're going to see in the next couple of years? Cause I think like the new versions of like Playstations and Xboxes are about to come out and God knows what kind of things those are going to be able to do. It's mind blowing. And it's kind of crazy as well because, like, you know, you look at, like, some of the most recent stuff, like the recent Call of Duty and how just insanely detailed the character models are in, in the cutscenes oh, yeah. and, and, and in, in the gameplay. It's like, wow, you guys did not skimp on any detail, and that's kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, like, when when we did the order, I knew I know that it was, it, it was like, far and away at the time just visually the most impressive game they, they had. And for the fact that when you, if you go back and look at, look at the, the graphics from it now compared to the things that are coming out now, it still is, you know, it, it, there's other stuff out now that is at that level, but it still looks fantastic. You're not looking at it going, ah, this kind of looks like it's, you know, it, it doesn't look visually, you know, dated at all. It's just, it's beautiful. Um, and it was, it was kind of cool just for the first, <laughs> you know, the first performance capture game I'd done to be one where, you know, when, when we, when I started getting to see some of the footage, you just sort of look at it and go, Oh my God, that's fucking amazing. Like the, the, the creativity of like the stuff they created of the, you know, mixing in the, like the alternate history and stuff was, it was to, to come up with all of that and then to build the stuff in the kind of detail that they did. It, it was just mind blowing. And it was, was one where it was just so much fun to, to work on as well. Like the, the, the people making it were so nice and it was really fun to work on because they were really good about sort of, we, we basically kind of shot it and worked it like it was uh, a film. You know, we were doing, you know, the, the work and stuff on it. Like we were, we were just making it as a, <laughs> as a movie, which was really nice as like a transition and a, a first foray into, uh, into performance capture. Um, and it helped, it helped me be comfortable in it so that it didn't, cause it, it like something like that is, could be so easy to get into, to, to get to the first time and then just go, holy shit, this is so intimidating. Um, and you know, cause it's, it's not like anything you've ever done before when you first look at it, when you actually do it, it's exactly the same as everything else. It's just, it looks totally different. It'd be like, you know, being put into a, a, a vehicle that 
you know, does it'd be, it'd kind of like be, being sat into a spaceship that actually works the way a car does, but just being dropped into it and say, being told, cool, you know how to drive. So here, just drive this. And you're like that, that, that just doesn't seem like it would work the same, but it, it, it actually does in a, in a kind of brilliant way. It's, uh, my wife and I always talk about it. It's, it's the closest end you're ever going to get to, you know, when you were playing cops and robbers as a, as a five-year-old, because you have a stick and everything else is just imagination. And that's, and that's so. another thing like what, that a lot of people don't really think about is that once you do, when you do mocap, you're not really given like props or anything. So you have to like use your imagination. So it's like, look at the giant yeah. robot. What giant robot? <laughs> yeah. And sort of being told, well, the thing that you're fighting is nine feet tall, which like you get told and you're like, yeah, cool. But I don't know where the hell to look at for a nine foot animal. Like if it's a werewolf, like, okay, if a werewolf's nine feet tall, where's it's its face, so its face is like eight and a half feet tall. I don't know where that is to look at. If you tell me it's ten feet away, it's its face is eight and a half feet up and it's ten feet away from you. And when you say okay. werewolf, are we talking about like actual werewolves or are they stand on two legs or you know? Yeah, wolves? exactly. <laughs> yeah, how like you know how anthropomorphic are they? And and you know what? There's there's so much that that you have to just rely on the directors, rely on the people you're working with when they're like, this is where you look, this is how it's working, this is what it's, what's happening. And, and that's one of the things that's so, like you have to put so much trust into the people you're working with because you have, you don't see it. And a lot of the time in, in all of this stuff, you're working on your own. You know, that's the nice thing about the performance capture, motion capture. You're <laughs> frequently working with other people. But a lot of the stuff that's just recording, you're recording on your own. So you're just putting all of your faith into the, the, the person on the other side of the, the glass when they say, you know, yeah, you need to adjust this, you need to fix this, you know, you need to make this more like this, or, you know, it's got to be bigger, it's got to be smaller, it's got to be whatever, because you're not a lot of the time getting to react off the person you're talking to, so you just got to trust that their, you know, adjustment, even if it seems counterintuitive, it's the right one to make the whole thing work. Um which, you know, if you're used to theater or something or, or even on camera where you have the other person in front of you, it can, you know, it, it's a leap of faith, but yeah, especially, it usually works out pretty well. I mean, especially like in the case of Call of Duty where you just like you have to come in and do like a lot of, you know, battle sounds and you're just like, oh, I hope this doesn't stress my throat out. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's you know, the, there's the voice stuff and there's, you know, there's, there's the, you know, make sure you don't do yourself any damage. And they're, the, the nice thing is they're really good about you know, making sure that you have enough time to protect yourself and that they don't try and overload you. But similarly, you know, you're in, in a thing like, you know, in a thing like uh, Black Ops 4, there's, you know, a dozen other people. And if one character is vastly over the top compared to the others, it, it'll be, you know, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a joke. And the, the, the players, the people who, you know, spend their money on the game are not going to, you know, it's not. It's not going to work for them. So, yeah, there's there's a certain amount of okay. How do we? How do we? How do they make sure that everything kind of fits in the same world in the same universe? And in Call of Duty, where people are running around and there's you know yelling over explosions and over gunfire and over you know uh, uh, tanks and all of these other things. It's uh, yeah. It's it's kind of threading a needle, but eh, it's fun. There's not many other jobs where you get to run around and yell and scream like you're a soldier without anybody actually shooting at you. And, and it's kind of um, interesting. It's kind of interesting because, like, with Black Ops Four, with the specialists, like, they're basically, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with GI Joe, but they're basically that. Yeah. It's just a, ba- yeah. it's, it's it's just basically grown up GI Joe, where everyone swears and kills each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's you know that it, it it's they did a, they did like such a good job of kind of making sure that it like you say like by doing it kind of like a you know a, a grown up version of something that all of us knew or all of us sat watching as kids. It it just makes it so easy to sort of connect to it and so easy to go oh yeah well that's my guy that's my specialist that's my woman that's that's who I'm gonna play. Because that person reminds me of this, and so yeah, that's exactly who I'm going to be. Because that person's awesome, um, and that was like that one was really that that was really fun. Like I said, because they when, once they showed me the the art for it, I went, oh cool, all right, it's a big redhead redheaded guy with a big ginger beard. Excellent, I can that makes sense to me. Uh, and then sort of going through it, just all of the interactions between the specialists and stuff. It's the you know the writers of it, the, the writer of it did uh, uh, a really a really fun job of giving the, the specialists really fun interactions in the middle of absolute bedlam. Um, but yeah, that it's always amazing. Like one of those a, a game like that. Like it, we we were in and out uh, so many times to 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 get all the stuff for that game because there's so much with that many specialists and that many different sort of permutations of teams and things there's just so much material um which is yeah it's it's a it's a lot of stuff so uh, have you uh you you've played the, the most recent black ops uh, clearly have you sort of played through each call of duty as they've came out as they've come out um i'm i'm out on again off again i mostly am mm. a fan of the black ops franchise which is why i, mm-hmm. know, I picked up like black ops 4 and you know, I'm. I was kind of disappointed. Like, there's no single player, even though they kind of did mm-hmm. the whole did the whole specialist introduction thing, which is basically a single player campaign. Let's not kid ourselves. But, sure. But you know, I. I mean, it's 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 you know, from a multiplayer standpoint, it's you know, still Call of Duty. I mean, you know, quick, you know, yeah. quick, you know, come in and play, have fun, scream at the the guy who just shot you a mile away, <laughs> and say that's not fair, and then you know. Just, just have fun with it, and I mean, it's yeah. it's, call, it's Call of Duty. Like, what more do you want? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Like the 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 dirty secret is that I like I, I'm terrible at video games. I am so bad at them that like a few years ago when when we finally got a PlayStation because my wife and I were like, we keep we're working on these things. We need to play these games. We need to you know get get better at them. Um, and so you like I play and I. If I try, like, I don't, I can't do the, like, the, the online multiplayer ones because I, I just get annihilated. I am so bad at these. I am so bad at fighting. Like, there's a part of me that's, that, like, wishes, I feel like I should be able to go on and, you know, play as Torque and, and do well. And I'm like, this is, this is embarrassing. I, I can't, I can't go on and, and be Torque because I'm just getting destroyed by everybody who plays against me. So I, I, I need to figure out how to get better at it. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I may be too old to, to, to sort of catch up to even a, an acceptable standard. But, uh, at, at the moment I can, I can sort of fumble my, fumble my way through. But, uh, the amount of time that I, like, in the last, like, whatever, it's been three or four years, the amount of time that I've spent, uh, playing the games compared to, to how good I am at them is, is kind of embarrassing. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things where actors, you know, just, just kind of, you know, they, they kind of, some of them don't, don't, uh, you know, look back on their stuff because some of them are just like, I don't, I don't want to look back on it because it's just, I'm, I'm there just for the work, you know, just come in, just, you know, record the lines and leave. But I'm like, you know, and that's fine, but I think part of the fun for me is like if I worked on something like this, I want to look back on it and say, "Wow, I'm, I was a part of that." You know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. I I don't think I would ever have any interest in like if I you know if I made a live action movie or something like that, I would never have any interest in watching it. I don't think I'd be able to even sit through like the the premiere. I think I would probably walk in and then immediately walk out the back and say, "I'll." 
you know, I'll be at the bar. Let me know when it's over. Um, but the, I don't know. There's something about like some of the games are the, the some of the games I really enjoy playing, even on the you know slowest idiot level that I, I have to go through on. Uh, and then it's, it's similarly with with like animation stuff. Like I've been really lucky in most of the stuff that I've got to work on the last few years, especially are things that I actually really like, which is rare. There's always stuff that that is just you know not necessarily your thing, but the it's and it's kind of weird like well you know you to to watch something that you worked on and, and sometimes you know sometimes you can watch it and totally detach from it a little bit uh it's easier if it's a different voice if it's not your natural speaking voice at least for me if it's a uh if it's a uh you know a different tact i'm able to do that more easily but some of the stuff you're like yeah but this is really good and i don't want to not get to enjoy it just because i was in, involved with working on it so i'm just gonna have to grit my teeth and suffer through having to listen to myself which it's just weird. And was just it feels weird, weird. And was it weird, like watching troll hunters and saying, "Yeah, I'm, I'm the Cockney troll in that." <laughs> a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, there was a little bit that was. It was like it was a little. The, here was the, the thing that made it made it easier was that I don't show up for a few. Uh, so it made it possible to start watching it and, and get into it and get invested in it before all of a sudden you're smacked in the face with yourself. Um, and it's funny, like we were watching the, the most recent Game of Thrones last night and it, it has occurred to me with like, with a show like that. I'm like the way that that one, for example, shoots where they're all over the world. So they don't really know what is happening in the other parts of the, the show. Like, are they able to sit down and watch it? Cause it's a show that most of them probably would like and want to watch because so many people do. Are they able to sit down and watch it or is it driving crazy? And, and it was sort of the, the thing, you know, I, 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 I was able to sit down and watch Troll Hunters and really enjoy it because it was so bloody good sort of in spite of the fact that i kept showing up in it and and after eventually after a little while i'm like okay that's drool that's you know you can separate off um it's a little easier to do once a thing is done as well than when you're sort of actively doing it um but it's yeah it's a little weird it's a little um, weird um just a heads up for anyone who's listening who has not watched troll hunters Massive spoilers coming your way, so <laughs> don't say it and warn you. <laughs> yeah, we'll I'll, we'll try and keep too many too many sort of uh, details out if possible. But uh, but you know it's it's been out for a while now, so it's at a certain point people you know you can't complain. Um, um, so my my question you know regarding troll hunters is were you familiar with Drawl's um, character arc before going in, or you know was that something you experienced like naturally as the show went on? That. Uh, here's the here's the interesting thing. That one I had no idea about going in because originally what I was told was that he was only going to be in a couple of episodes. The original information was that it was going to be a character that was in one, two, maybe three episodes, and it, obviously he ended up being in far more than that, which was brilliant. Uh, but yeah, I had no idea what was going to happen when I went in. It was, it was sort of having to, every time, you know, I would get scripts for it, I had to, I'd sit down and read it and go, okay, what am I doing? What, what's, is he, is he good now? Is he bad now? What's, where, where's, where, what's he, where's he going with this? Is he, is he still bad, but pretending to be good? Has he become good, but is just kind of grumpy? Is he good? Like what? It, it was a thing where I had to, I completely found it as we went through because there was, not an initial uh, character arc and description, and I th my my understanding is that it it changed even as they were writing it. That, that initially, I don't think that I was 
I don't think that they just didn't give me the information because they, you know, were, were keeping it on the down low. Uh, my understanding is that that character, uh, and presumably others as well, but I, I just know that one because, because it, it was mine. Uh, what they were doing with him and, and where, how much, how involved he was going to be changed as they were going through and writing the show. So I, I think that, um, I think I was, uh, I think I was saved a couple of times by a, a couple of people involved uh, at, you know, at the studio and in the writer's room who at one point or another, when they said, okay, well, we're building this thing and probably this will be the end of draw when people were like, yeah, we kind of like the character. Let's hang on to him, uh, which obviously I was real happy about. Um, but yeah, there was, there was no, the, the whole arc was not drawn out when I was introduced to him. I thought originally when I first went in, I think I went in to record two episodes, I think, the first time. And I figured it was going to be, you know, he shows up and is kind of the dick to, to Jim because he wanted, you know, he expected that he was going to be picked and then picks a fight with him and ends up losing. And that was going to be the end of it. And then uh, and then he wasn't and stuck around and then stuck around and stuck around and stuck around. And it was, you know... It was really fun because we knew kind of the arc of, of, uh, of a lot of the, the stuff or kind of the overall arc of, of the story to a certain extent. Um, but it was a, a kind of a new thing to, to get to find out every week or every, you know, couple of weeks what, <laughs> what your character was doing and what was going on. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a new experience to, to like just have to say, okay, this is the information I've got and this is who he, you know, who he is and what he's doing. So let's roll with it. And I was kind of blown away listening to, 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 to your voices draw because I swear the first time I listened to it, I was like, is that Ian McShane? Cause it sounds like Ian <laughs> McShane. <laughs> I, I, between you and me, I have a feeling that if they, if going in, they had known that he was going to be in it as much as he was, they might have been able to get Ian McShane. <laughs> like, with you know, with the kind of cost that they had on that show, um, it uh, uh, it was you know it, it, that was one of the other you know really cool things about it was was all the other people who you get to work with on it. But uh, but yeah, that the 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 initial it's funny the initial initially sort of coming up with the voice it was you know it was an audition that I got one day like the you know hundreds and or thousands of others that I've had over over the years. And it was a case of looking at the script and just going, I think he's, yeah, I think this is kind of what the voice is going to be. Uh, and doing it and then sending it off. And, uh, and yeah, and then it, like, I, it's funny because that's when we actually remember recording the audition, which is rare given the amount of auditions that you do. Uh, but I remember recording the audition for that one and just going, ah, I think he sounds like this. I don't know. This is, this is a job for DreamWorks. I'm probably not going to get this. I'm just going to create something that actually I like and sounds like fun and do it and send it off and that's it. And so when it uh, when it came back and I, I had the job, it was like, oh, cool, that's brilliant. All right, I guess just deciding this is the thing that sounds good to me that I like sometimes pays off. Actually, it usually pays off, but uh, actually remembering to do that is sometimes the hard part. And did you did you ever get to record with the other cast members, or was it just you? No, I I am never allowed to be around other people, or very rarely allowed to be around other people. I don't take it personally, but I think it is that uh, I I almost always am recording on my own. Um, that show, because of the cast, and so many of those people are all over the place shooting other things, I think it would have been nigh on impossible to get everybody into one place or even a handful of people into one place based on schedules and things. Uh, so no, un unfortunately, like, I got to, you know, 
we would overlap, you know, cause you'd, they'd be, you'd go in and do your session and then the next person was coming in and the next person. So <clears throat> between, you know, rap parties and things like that and, and overlapping sessions or, or sessions back to back, you, you get to meet a good number of the people in it. But, uh, there, you know, there are some people who never even were in LA when they were recording it because they were off on location here or there. Or, you know, especially once they added in, you know, some of the people from, from like Game of Thrones when they added in, uh, Lena Headley and, uh, uh, some of the others, they, you know, they were always recording from the UK. So yeah, that was one. Unfortunately, I never got to, to meet half the people in it. Uh, so there's a, the, you, you, I've always got this joke of like, yeah, at some point, if I ever run into Tom Hiddleston, I'm just going to run up to him and scream father as draw, pick him up in a bear hug, shake him and then drop him and run away and not explain it at all. We'll see if I've got the balls to do it. If that ever actually the opportunity comes up, I would actually love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really hoping I've got the balls to do it. I don't know if I'll have the chance. I'm really hoping I do, but he seems like he'd actually like the joke if it was eventually explained to him and if security didn't beat the crap out of me. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been one of the frustrations for me that, um, I know a lot of people who get to recording groups all the time and almost there's only been really like two or three things that I've done in my entire career where I got to record with the other actors and it's so much fun. Um, and it's, uh, it, I'm hoping that I get to do more stuff around other people. But like I said, that's one of the things where, you know, especially with something like Troll Hunters, I had to just trust the directors when they, you know, had to adjust me or up or down because I'm not hearing the other side of the conversation most of the time. I'm just hearing it sort of read to me. If I'm getting it read to me at all, you know, the, the director, somebody's reading the other side. A lot of the time you're just recording the lines and trusting them when they adjust it that they have in their head this idea on how the whole thing is going to get assembled. But uh, the ones that we've, the ones, the things that I've recorded as a group are, those, those are just so much fun. And what, what were those projects that, that you recorded? There? The, the last one that, that I did that was really fun was a couple of years ago, the, uh, which was the, the, the Marvel, uh, was a, a Marvel sort of uh, movie, Halloween movie with uh, Hulk and Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, um, I remember called, that because yeah. I remember like listening to that for you know for the interview uh, yeah. research and my God, you were creepy as nightmare. <laughs> yeah, you know what the funny thing it was that like I, I, again that was that was one where I was like oh, this this voice kind of sounds oh yeah I like this voice and uh, um, uh, I you know sort of doing it and and then listening to it back I was like oh yeah that just sounds like somebody has loaded me up with meth. And taken all of my morals away. I'm like, cool. Yeah, that's, that's terrifying. Um, but yeah, that one was a blast because that one was one that we did in, you know, in a room with, with like eight of us. Uh, and so, you know, that, especially getting to, to, you know, record with the people who were in that, you know, getting to record with Fred Tadashore and Liam O'Brien and, you know, Jesse and Edward and Kiara, all these people, Mike Vaughn, who are really, really good. And a lot of them have, have you know, played these characters have played stuff like, you know, Fred's been the Hulk forever. Um, and it was funny because at the, the time, Fred, you know, Fred and I were doing, uh, Troll Hunters at the time. Uh, and that's, there's one of those weird things where every time we ran into each other at one of the jobs, we would sort of check in at the other one, but we, it, we had to just refer to it. We're, we're asking, yeah, how's that other thing going? Cause everything is under NDA. So you're sort of talking about the stuff that, you know, you're working on to the other people who you know are on it, but you have to keep everything, any, any identifying details out so that, you know, anybody else in the studio doesn't, know the details of it and it just it feels yeah it feels insane it feels like the 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 world's uh least threatening spy thriller i sure enjoyed that show you were on (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah 
how how were you after work the other day? And someone's like, oh, you guys were in here the other day? No, we were somewhere else. Oh, right, yeah, right. Fred Tanisher, um, I, I never met him. I do not know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, the, the NDA things get sometimes a little, like, you under, I understand them. You understand the reasoning. Like, these, these huge companies have a lot of money in their, um, you know, advertising and they have a, they've paid people a lot of money to plan out exactly how they're going to release, you know, details and things to maximize their exposure. But also there's times when, when, you know, people are saying, how's it going? Good. What you doing? Stuff. Like what? Just things. You can't talk about it? No. And if you're talking to somebody who is not doing stuff in the industry, it sounds like it sounds so fucking self-important. Like, well, what does that person do? Oh, that person, uh, he actually works for the FBI, so he can't talk about his job because he's handling, you know, important things that, you know, are related to life and death. Why can't you talk about your stuff? Cartoons are secrets. <laughs> you, you sound absurd, but, um, yeah, you get used to it. And, uh, and it's always fun. Yeah. It's fun to run into somebody who you're working on somebody on something with and actually get to go, Oh, thank God, somebody I can talk to about this stuff. Um, but yeah, like that thing, getting to do that one in a group was so much fun because getting to watch all those people work is mind blowing. And, uh, and also there's just like tricks you're watching. You're like, I'm, I'm watching Fred just going, okay, how the hell do you do the things you do? And how can you do them for a four-hour session? Because, like, the stuff that he does, whether it's for ARG and, and uh, you know, and Trollhunters or whether it's for the Hulk, like, even most people who can do that kind of a sound can't do it for long. And Fred can just do it forever. It's amazing. It's, yeah, it's absolutely amazing watching him work. Um, and, and, I, and I will say, like, having met the guy at a con last year, you will not meet a sweeter person. You will oh, not. Fred, it's it's funny like there's there's uh you know there there are people who you start seeing at auditions and things you know repeat you know a lot and uh or you know you'll start seeing okay well I didn't get that who got that or this person got that and Fred's one of those people who you know Fred's working all the time and if he was at all a dick it would be like God damn it Fred gets everything but the reality is he's so sweet he's the nicest guy in the world. And every time, you know, it's like, oh, excellent, Fred. Got, yeah, that's brilliant. I would hire Fred too, which is the truth. Because I would hire Fred for anything because he is not, you know, he's so good. But he's, like you said, he's so nice. He's just such a sweet man. Um, that's, been, that's one of the really nice things about voiceover in general. Um, I think I, I could be attributing this wrong, but I think at some point I was listening or I read an interview with uh, Diedrich Beta, who somebody had asked him about it, and he, he sort of was... He made a point along the lines, and I think it was him, but I could be wrong. So if I'm misattributing mis this, I apologize. But he said something along the lines of, yeah, look, when the Drew Carey show was a huge hit, like, if I wanted to be a dick, I could be a dick because, you know, that show is about chemistry. And I, you couldn't really pull, like, my character out and have the show still work. And the show was so successful that I probably could have got away with being a dick. In voiceover, it doesn't matter how good you are. There's always somebody who can do the say who can sound similarly. To you, similar to you. So if you're a dick, they will just replace you. And so in general, like in voiceover, you don't find unpleasant people because they don't end up working because nobody wants to spend their time with a dick. Um, and I like, I've found that to be true. I've like the, the, the people I've dealt with on the whole have, have almost exclusively have all been amazing. Like I, I've had no like 
massive negative interactions with you know with people in uh, in this part of the industry, which is it's so nice. Especially so, like when you when you like talk to I mean because I've you know talked to people on the show and, and at cons yeah who do, who do voiceover and they are like very humble which is just so rare for actors because it's like you know most actors are like yeah I'm, I'm I was in this I was in that I'm I'm so great you know yada 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 but like once you talk to like voice actors they're like yeah I was in that that was cool yeah, yeah. I mean you know it's just that's what I love about voiceover it's like you know you can just to have an actual conversation with voice actors and instead of just, you know, oh, I, I enjoyed playing Iron Man for, for this movie. Now leave me alone. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It, it, the people do just, like I said, everyone who I've come across has been so, come across has been so lovely and everybody, I mean, this is fun shit to get to do. It's really fun. And if you can't enjoy doing it and if you don't enjoy doing it, like, there are 10 people who will take the job who can do it just as well as you. So, you know, anytime anybody is, anybody who thought they were fucking, you know, amazing and irreplaceable would, would very quickly be, dis you know, disabused of that notion because, you know, there, there are 10 people out there who can, you know, either individually or as, you know, across them can mimic or can do everything that I can do. Uh, so yeah, if you're an unpleasant human being, people will just hire them. I would. <laughs> I wouldn't hire some. I wouldn't hire me if I was being a twat. So or, or worse, it's just like, oh, you you know, you don't, you know, you're being a dick. Okay, we'll just hire a celebrity. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like you said, like you know, the, the, there are there are people, there are celebrities who have voices not dissimilar to me, and and you know, there are people who. Uh, you know, I at times, you know, get called in to, to try and voice match or things like that. And and especially if it's a big property, like if they can get a celebrity yeah, and that's a nicer person than you, why wouldn't they? Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it, 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 it's kind of nice knowing that anytime you show up anywhere to work, you you, you don't have to spend time worrying like, oh, God, are these, are these people going to be nice? Or are they going to be full of shit or are they going to be, you know, anything that. People are, people are lovely, which is, uh, it makes everything easier when you're showing up, not worrying about any of that other crap. You can just show up and go, cool, what do you need me to do? And have you ever, did you get, did you ever get to meet G Guillermo? <laughs> no, I've, he's the only producer on the show who I never actually met in person because he, like, he directed, uh, the pilot, two episodes, and I don't show up until three. And then, uh, he directed, like, a couple of episodes here and there, and they were never episodes that I was in. And then any of the, uh, you know, the events or things like that that happened, he's, especially the last three or four years, he's been doing so much. He's had TV series running, multi, you know, multiple TV series running, and he's had all these movies and all this other stuff. So I've never met him. I've never, never met the guy. That's another one where kind of like, you know, Hiddleston, I, I, I really hope at some point I get a chance to meet him and, and I can just run up to him and, and you know, give him a bear hug and yell at him as drool and then run away and not address it at all. Similar to Hiddleston, no idea if I'll have the balls to do it if I ever get the opportunity, but it would be fun. Because that's the thing, it's like, you know, with, with Guillermo's work, he knows what, what he wants from day one. It's like, this is my vision, and I, this is how I'm going to execute it. Because, you know, there is not a detail that, that he crosses over in, in his films or work, and it's just insane. You know? Yeah, like, from... From my, like, I'm 
I'm very good friends with uh, some of the people who I've become very good friends with some of the people who work on the show in, in other capacities and in, in production and post-production and things like that. And from from what I understand from them, in, like what you just said is entirely correct. Like he, he, you know, his his attention to things that would be easy for someone to go, ah, whatever, no one's going to notice that um, is intense. And if something isn't right, it needs to be fixed. Um, and I think, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why the, that, that series and, and three below and, uh, you know, the, the next one that, uh, that they've got coming up, they, they look better than a TV, you know, a TV animation show normally looks. And, you know, when I think it was one of the nice side effects of, of him hitting the heights that he's hit the last few years is that he was in a position to say, like, yeah, I know that normally we don't have enough computers and, and uh, rendering power to make a TV show look the same as a feature film, but I wanted to. So find the processing power um, because this needs to look like this. And, you know, you, you look at the, the – and it's, it's funny. It's not something that I had ever – you know, I, I had never really paid attention to it to, to, um, to notice it. But when you look at a lot of 3D animated TV shows – and then look at the feature films, even if it's part of the same franchise, you're like, no, 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 it, it is clearly the same thing, but there's just detail that they can do in the feature film purely a lot of the time because of time, like rendering that stuff takes so long um, that they, they just don't have the time to do and they don't have the computers to do it for, for a television show. But he was working on these things for so long, you know, the, he and the other creators were working on them for so long. Um, and he, you know, he built up so much goodwill and credit and everything with everything that he's done that he was able to you know to really say no this is how i want it to look and until we can make it look like this it's not ready and so it's you know you, you, when you look at the the, the episodes you're, it's just beautiful like the art is just staggering um especially like and, in the fight in the final episode where you know the final battle takes place that was insane on a tv oh, budget wow yeah. it's unbelievable it's unbelievable, like, and stuff just like the, the colors in the sky and the, the, you know, the, the detail in the, the trees and the, 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 the amount of, you know, the, the, the detail in all of the gum gums that are fighting, all the, like, all of the detail that is in that for a TV episode, you know, for something that's, that's going out that is the, the 52nd episode of a show is just, it's amazing. Um, and, you know, <laughs> We all benefit. We all get to to look good because the show looks great. And so, if you've got, you know, if you have the good fortune to get to work on it, it makes everybody look good. Um, you know, I, I I would come in. I came in, you know, a handful of times and and recorded my episodes, and and that was it. There were all these people who were working for years between the you know the writing and then the animation and all the posts and stuff um, that made that look like that and and then yeah like i remember like when when i watched the the final couple of episodes it was just like oh holy fucking shit that's there's something weird about looking at that and going well i in a tiny minuscule way i got to be a part of that and these last two i didn't have anything to do with i just got to sit back and enjoy like what you were asking about earlier the the thing of like being is it weird to watch stuff that you worked on like the the, the last couple i just got to just sort of sit back and and enjoy because i hadn't read the scripts for them so I, when I got to sort of go and, and watch them at a screening, I just got to watch it as a, as a viewer and just, yeah, go, well, damn. Okay. That's... Especially, especially with, with, with uh, three below, cause they kept, uh, they kept that show hush hush. Like there was very little information yeah. about it online. And when it came out, it's like, wow, where was yeah. this show hiding? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I, you know, uh, we didn't, I, I can't remember when I, f when I knew about it. Like, um, obviously when you see who's, when the, those two characters show up in Troll Hunters, you're like, they're not going to cast those people for little tiny one-off roles. Like that's, that, that, that must be something. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like they did, they did, uh, an amazing job of keeping that one, of keeping that one quiet until they were ready to, to announce it. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, and that shows, that shows just a blast as well. Like it's, it's crazy. And it, you know, the, the fun thing was like, I got to, you know, they were great. They, as well as, you know, ending up using me for so many more episodes than, uh, than I thought in, in troll hunters, they, you know, they, they brought me, uh, in for, in the first season of, uh, of three below and let me, come on and do a bunch of goofy stuff, which, you know, was a blast, um, and was different and was really nice. And, uh, you know, get, getting to, to come on and, and just be a, a, a vaguely racist, you know, angry grandfather was kind of a turn, uh, but was a, was a lot of fun. And, that, and that's what I mean. Like when with, you know, with voiceover stuff, you know, I, I am, I am not a 65 year old, uh, silverhead guy like he is but uh i get to do it and that's the kind of stuff that i would never get would never have got to do on stage so that's that's one of the things that's always uh, that's always going to be amazing you know it, it's, it's always just going to make me love doing voice work and that's, and that's um, another great thing is like you can say hey i i, I was a you know troll who, who who you know had tom hiddleston for our father you know yeah yeah, it's amazing. I, you know, I, I, I found it, uh, amusing that, uh, that my, my dad is younger than I am, but, uh, yeah, only by a couple of years, but still, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's sort of looking at the cast for that movie, uh, for that movie, for that series was, uh, was a little humbling because that they, they really were able to pull amazing people in and uh and like i said that one would have been so much fun if i'd uh if we'd been able to record in a group but uh i i can't imagine the nightmare of trying to put the scheduling together of getting even a quarter of those people in the same place at the same time uh, especially unfortunate with the unfortunate passing of anton yelchin yeah that was that was that was rough they uh i mean they, they did a, a a really nice job with how they transitioned it and, uh, you know, they, they finding somebody who was a good friend of his, uh, to, to take over was, uh, was really nice. And the way that they wrote in the transition of the voice, uh, was terrific. But it, yeah, that was, I, I, I got to meet Anton, uh, a little bit. I did not know him well. I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him, unfortunately, but, uh, he was the, 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 the small amount of time I, I, Spent around him. He was an absolute sweetheart, and everybody on the show, including a, a friend of mine who got to work with him a lot, were you know nobody had anything except amazing things to say about him. Uh, and that that whole thing was just just a nightmare. It was just and, and you know. I'm, and I'm kind of glad Guillermo put his foot down and said, "I am not redubbing him." Like absolutely, you, yeah, you know, yeah, you absolutely. Get, you you get the show. He's the show, and I refuse well, to read Dublin. Yeah, and and the the 
the the lovely part is if you you know if you look even in you know in in uh, if you look Anton is is credited in every episode like all fifty two because wherever they could in in voice things like like in in efforts or in this or in that it's like you know he's in there so they they made sure that in one way or another Anton was in every episode of that show that Anton was going to be in uh which was really an amazing way to approach it and was not it was just you know he he was supposed to be in the whole thing and so they made sure he was in the whole thing and uh, you know there's there's in terms of the show that was that was the best they could do and it's yeah it was it was amazing and uh and it he was so good in it too that it was uh yeah everything about that was just just heartbreaking so it's hopefully not something that uh hopefully not saying that we'll ever you know uh, we'll ever have to go through a deal with again uh, and as i said like i i did not know him well but uh the the, the couple of times that i spoke to him or, or ran into him he was just the sweetest sweetest guy and it just it just kind of showed that you know a different side of him you know in in that role where you know he he got to really show his acting chops and I'm just just heartbroken that he wasn't around to see this beautiful finished product yeah yeah i mean you know he 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 was in big movies and he was in small movies and and like he he left an amazing body of work for somebody as young as he was and the nice thing you know the really nice thing about this show was that he he was getting to do getting to spend that much time that's like the nice thing about television and you know is if you're doing 50 episodes of something you're just able to go into more depth than you can in a two-hour movie because you, you just have more time you have more time to to build stuff and to layer things in and uh so you know for somebody who is who had as much talent as he did to give him that amount of space to work you know to, to work through a character and to, to layer stuff in you really got a chance to see what he could do and uh yeah Especially like when it comes to, you know, celebrities doing voiceover, I'm glad they picked him for, for an actual role and not, oh, let's just pick him to do, you know, Anton Yelchin, you know, and who cares? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a funny thing, like, it, as a, in general, like, the idea of just picking celebrities and plugging them into to animation is, is uh, you know, it, the reality is if somebody is a good actor... They're a good actor and putting them into voice, you know, ha having them do voiceover or having them do animation or a video game or something doesn't make them not a good actor. So if they're good, they will probably be good at it. Similarly, you know, if, if somebody isn't good or, you know, if somebody is a celebrity rather than an actor or if somebody doesn't take it seriously, if they don't, if they, if they think, well, but I do movies, this is an animated thing. It's whatever you can hear that. Um, and. You know, I, I don't think anybody was going to get a, a phone call from Guillermo del Toro and think, ah, it's just an animated show. I'm not going to take it seriously. Um, which is one of the reasons why the, you know, the, all the big names who are in it are so good at, you know, what they're doing. Um, and yeah, and they got to, you know, you, there were people who were doing like Stephen Ewan's stuff is amazing. Like that's so different and. He's so good in it. It's my, it's, it's hysterical to me. Like how, like that character I just love. 
And it's kind of funny um, watching watching like Troll Hunters and Voltron back to back and seeing just how different his characters are on those two yeah. shows. Yeah. Like, you know, when, when when he had those things running and uh and you know, Walking Dead, you're looking at it you're just looking at it going, Wow, you're you're really bloody good. Um yeah, I mean he's and that's the thing, like he's he's just a good actor. So it makes complete sense that uh, that he'd be you know he'd be great at it at it too and uh, but you know it's like I said I I I felt really really lucky because uh, um, I you know there there weren't many people who got to do you know wh- whose character got to to go through as much as mine did that uh, um, that weren't more established coming in so I was I was really fortunate that I got to do all the stuff that I got to do on that not coming in as, as somebody who, you know, already had that kind of established career. Uh, it was, it was a lot of fun, but well, yeah. It's, uh, especially like when it comes to like casting unknowns and, and projects like these, cause usually they would go for a, an established name, but I'm kind of weirded out. It's like, huh, I wonder who this guy is. Cause he's really good. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, you know, and, and, and I do for all, like I said, like originally, I, I I don't think that it was uh, uh, I don't think that they knew the character, the the sort of direction the character was going to go completely, or that that how that was going to happen. Um, I I don't think I'm not 100, percent but uh, I think that it was a kind of a case of as as they were going through, they're like, oh, we we like this character, we like what it does, and so we're we're going to keep uh, keep writing for it, and you know, I. Uh, I was I was really glad and really appreciative that uh, that it meant that I got a chance to to do as much as I did and uh, you know effectively got after a while I was like oh I'm I'm still here which is amazing and a shock to me and also look at who I'm getting to play with like this is a fun sandbox to be playing in and not one that I you know that I had any idea was coming when uh, when I signed up so it's uh, and you know. I I got I got to do all sorts of uh, all sorts of stuff in it and then uh, like I said they uh, they just did they just did such a nice job wrapping it up it's so difficult to wrap up a TV show because people have especially after you know after multiple seasons people have such a people have an idea on like how it what they think the story is and how they think the story should end and where they think it's going that's why I'm kind of waiting to see the complete uproar with however Game of Thrones ends because I remember like when The Sopranos ended and and people were just all over the map between loving it and thinking that it was a complete betrayal of like eight years of their TV watching lives. So I can't imagine with, uh, with game of Thrones that there's not going to be a similar, you know, massive segment of the population who are just livid. Well, I mean, it's been how many years and I'm, and I'm kind of still not over how I met your mother's ending. Cause that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny. Like I, I watched a bunch of episodes of that because, you know, when that was running, I had a roommate who watched a lot of it. And so I watched a bunch of episodes of that show and always loved them. But I wasn't like a regular watcher. So it did when, when the ending came, it did. I just remember, like you just said, like, oh, so many people were livid. But that, like, and, you know, it, it's like I said, like, ending a TV show is fucking hard. Cause if you've, if you've contributed five, six, eight, ten years of your life to watching these character stories, like, it's real hard to write something that's not going to piss people off because they're not going to get the, it's not going to be satisfying for, you know, what they think the character should be. Um, so yeah, the, the, but 
with the, how big Game of Thrones is, I'm, I am, I am, there's a part of me, there's an evil part of me that's just going, oh, people are going to be so mad no matter how they end it. It's gonna, it, it's gonna be hysterical to watch people losing their minds over, well, that's not how it was supposed to end. Well, <laughs> that's how they wrote it, so what's worse gonna be? That's that's what's so great being like a kid from the '90s because most of the most of the shows I grew up watching never had endings, so it's just like they just <laughs> went on forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just yeah, the stuff just sort of kept going. Well, and that's a funny thing, like you know, what the Simpsons is in like its 40th year now, or I don't know, 30th year or something. A 30th Since season. 30th season, yeah. Like that just been running for a lot of people's entire lives. Uh, you know, I. That's that's an, that's that's a that's a new experience for most you know for most people because most shows no matter how good or popular they were didn't last much more than eight years at the most. Um, so it's but yeah, it's, I don't know. I probably shouldn't be excited about watching people get pissed off at how Game of Thrones ends, but there's a there's an evil part of me that's like yeah, but you know people are going to be mad. I mean, it, it's it's hard to you know as as a writer myself, it's really hard to to get a, people invested in in a character, much less you know make them you know, much less get any reaction out of them. Sometimes, sure, that's, that's that's hard, man. You know, trying to because like when I'm writing a script, I'm like, oh, how does this character sound? Will the people like it? You know, are they supposed yeah. to be? I you know. Because especially when it comes to alternative inter- interpretations, because a lot of people, you know, look at something and it's like, are we supposed to be relating to this character or not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No. You 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 hit a bang on getting people interested in interested in a character enough to to be invested, or you know, in either way, even either, either to love them or to loathe them, is is not easy. It's not an easy it's not an easy trick to pull. Um, which is the, one of the things I like to like again, like I. I was, I didn't watch every episode of The Sopranos, but I loved the ending just because it was such a decisive, this is what I'm doing. And whether you like it or you hate it, like there was nobody who was in the middle about it. And finding it, finding something like that that just polarizes people, like to me, that's like, that's, that's genius because it just, you know, it means that nobody's like, yeah, well, you know, it ended and it was eh. Cause that, that, that feels like, especially for a show like that, that had that kind of effect. It feels like that would be murder. But uh, anything, that, anything that can make people react in one way or another is is amazing. Um, what, what, what sort of stuff do you write? Are you writing uh, films or TV or? Oh God, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I write web comics, so you know. Oh, nice. Are, those are a di- uh, those are a monster, <laughs> to be quite honest, because you know, on especially considering you know, ongoing stuff, you know. Yeah. You know, like you know. No, I, 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 look, I know people who have written comics, you know, have written, uh, comic books and also, uh, a, a, there's a, a chap on there who has a, a, an online comic as well. And like, that's relentless. Cause if you're, I mean, I don't know how often you're, you're publishing stuff, but like you said, like that, that can just go on. Like that can be, that's a lot of output to have to be, you know, to have to be generating and putting out. So that takes, that takes a lot of commitment and a lot of work. I mean, especially like considering like, cause, cause I usually, you know, email the artist and, you know, we, we get back to, we, with each other and I'm like, okay, can you change this? Can you change that? And, you know, Lord knows how it's going to look. Cause, cause when I'm writing, you know, comics, I don't know what the final product's going to look like. And, you know, once I see like the rough sketches, I'm like, you know, oh, this, this doesn't look the way I imagined it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you, then you've got the thing of like, well, oh, this is, you know, this is a person I'm working with. I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to say it's, 
it's bad or it's wrong because I, I don't want to shut them down or yeah, but, but it's not right. So yeah, that, that's a tough part as well. Just negotiating the, okay, how do I get what I want with, you know, everybody, everybody's, you know, uh, sense of artistic integrity maintaining. Yeah, because it's, I'm really, I'm really nitpicky when it comes to my own work because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I, I have this, you know, again, like I have this vision in my mind of what I want something to look like, and then when I see it, and, and it's like, you know, it's not, it's completely different. I'm like, eh, you know, can you fix this? <laughs> I don't right. want to sound mean, but you know, can you fix this? And yeah, how often I mean, do, how you know? often do you publish? How often does it come out? Uh, we, I, I try to do monthly comics, uh, monthly oh, okay. chapter, mo- monthly chapters, like, you know, each chapter is like, um, you know, five to six or eight pages long and, you know, right. we, we do them all in like a month span, like, you know, the classic comics where it's like, you know, we, we, I give him like a month to, to, um, to, to, to work on it. And, and he's like, uh, I, I can get this done by X, you know? But right. important, the important thing is, like, I want to get this done. I want to get a new chapter up by at the end of each month, so to keep it going and and you know, sure. not, and and just remind myself to to you know that I, I have to keep working on something you know, right. instead of just like sitting around you know doing fuck all of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but and that's but that's kind of the the key is like as long as you're as it's a key and it's a trick. Like you say, it's like just maintaining doing something. Like as long as you're doing something, even if you're, you're, you know, you're having to, you know, go, Oh God, I, I just, I don't feel like, I don't feel like doing that today or I don't feel like doing that this week. Like something that, that you know you have to do and you have to get out on a schedule is great because it forces you to keep, you know, it forces you to not get stagnant because it's so easy to just get into the, Oh, I'm not going to do anything. Oh fuck. I haven't done anything for three months. Okay. That's not good. So and like, I, having... and, I, and I and I keep the chapter short because I I don't want to because I know like from personal experience like from reading like really long winded comics I'm like I don't want to sit through five hundred pages of exposition you know right <laughs> I keep it short right yeah it's yeah it's a it's a it's a tough needle to thread mate it's a tough needle to thread yeah, tell uh, me about how it. how long have you been doing it for. Um, I started, um, I, I mean, I started writing, you know, comic uh, scripts back in 2013 and I got a couple of short one, one shots off the ground in like 2014, but, um, I tried getting a project up, uh, you know, a regular, you know, updated web comic, uh, back in 2017, but I had a falling out with that artist uh, who was also a friend of mine at the time and. I kind of don't want to go into that. And uh, now I'm working on something that I've been doing since November. I would say November or December of last year, and it's currently going. Oh, cool. Nice. And the artist artist I'm currently hiring is a guy guy by the name of David Barron, who worked uh, as a storyboard artist for uh, Cartoon Network's Mighty Magisorts cartoon. Oh, cool. Very cool. So. How did you, uh, how did you you get home to, uh, linked up with him? Um, because he's because he, he's he's kind of popular in the artist community, and you know he had gotten the job on Magic Swords on I think in 2015. So like he was doing that, and then you know when, once when that show wrapped up, he was like, I'm you know available for freelance work. I'm looking for any freelance work to keep me going. I'm like, hey, I got this idea. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all about timing. Yeah. 
And he's and he's yeah. like working on a bunch of other projects. I mean, he's a storyboard artist for like someone else on on YouTube, and he's doing title cards for people. I mean, he's just a right, busy just keeping busy. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know the 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 freelance thing is a grind. Like it's 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 a grind. It's it's you know something you you make a choice about at some point of like okay, I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna. This is how I'm going to approach my professional life, and you you kind of do it knowing that it's it's a roll of the dice, and that it's going to be you know there's going to be fallow periods where you're going oh shit I need to make sure that I can actually put a roof over my head this month uh, and things like that so like yeah I you know anytime you go from being on staff from something to to back into freelance it's suddenly like great uh, anything that shows up right now. Um, I need to do, and so when you know when somebody calls with uh, uh, you know with good stuff, it's like no, no, no. This is a this is a, a monthly thing. This is a thing we're working on. It's it's yeah. It's I got to imagine it's always appreciated because anything you know with the sort of stuff that uh, that I do, like it's very rare for something to be ongoing for too long. Like most games or things like that, they're one off. So you might work for a month or so on it, and then uh, you're just going cool. Something else going to show up. I mean, so far things have shown up, but every single thing feels like it you know it could be the last uh so you're, you're always sort of going with the approach of like okay i need to find the next thing to work on yeah because uh, and, and it's kind of a nightmare for me personally because you know i'm juggling doing this show and uh you know writing and it's kind of like ugh. <laughs> yeah yeah those are two really different sort of uh two very different mental muscles to be exercising um, and especially sort of doing them concurrently at, uh, yeah, that's gotta be a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a swirl. How long have you, so, uh, you said you've been doing this one since, uh, since, uh, like November, December. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. I mean, and, and yeah. I've been doing, I've been doing the podcast for since 2012, so I'm not, new yeah. at, I'm not new at this. <laughs> no, no, no. That's been going for, that's been going for a while. <laughs> um, which is amazing because, I mean, like we were talking about, like it's so easy to, to fall into a rut of like, eh, I'll get to it later. So, you know, something like this and, and doing things like this take like there's so much research and work and stuff that you've got to do for it. So like having done something like this for seven years is, is, <laughs> I mean, and it didn't, and it didn't start out as a, as a, as an interview show. I, I kind of, it was just me and my friend Tom shooting the shit for an, an hour and a half about random shit, but. At, at some point, I got bored with that, and I'm like, you know what? There are a lot of really cool voice actors out there that I'm a fan of. Would some of them be Would some of them be interested in doing this show? And I'm like, yeah, you know, you never know. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's worth asking because, again, like, I haven't run into people doing this doing this job who don't enjoy it, don't love what they're doing, and so aren't happy to to sort of talk about it and. Fortunately, also given what it is, you know, there's not too many people who are talking about it in in sort of bullshit actory ways, which you know can oh, happen yeah, with some other yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, every, everyone's like, you know, I, I I love what I'm doing. It's not, oh well, I I love this role. It is great. I I would love to come back if they asked me. <laughs> yeah, like, well, and it's funny. Like I, you know, like I said, I, I started out in in theater and stuff and loved. You know, I love theater. I love doing that sort of stuff. And I, I loved the vast majority of people I worked with. There's still times when, you know, there's, there can still be uh, in theater and, and on camera a little too much of the actory bullshit that can go along with this particular, you know, work. And I, I, 
I haven't, I haven't come across any of that in voiceover, which is really nice. People are, you know, it doesn't matter how talented somebody is and how much they've done. It's, they're like, no, this is what I do and it's fucking awesome. And I'm just excited about doing it. And they're always happy to talk about it in, you know, realistic, grounded ways as opposed to talking about the, you know, the weird stuff of uh, the the weird exercises that they do to, to sort of get into the, the mind space of uh, of playing an alien from another planet. Um, it's it's more just like it, no, it, you know, I love doing this. This thing was cool, and uh, and so I, I this voice seemed to work right for it. So cool, we're we're off to the races. I mean, um, especially like with you know when I do you know interviews with voice actors, like I I do get to you know sometimes develop friendships with them, and that's kind of you know that's you know something I yeah. never thought would be possible. You know, a couple of years ago, I'd be like, ah, people want to talk to me? Come on. Sure. <laughs> <No way." laughs> but that's like, that's the amazing thing. Like, I, I, I've, I've not been to, to many cons or anything. I, I've been to a couple and I've been to a couple as a plus one with my wife. And, um, like the, the, the breadth in the stuff that people get turned on by and that people find fascinating in terms of like, you know, people will, will, it doesn't matter like how much stuff you've done. It'll be like, no, but this little character and this thing, that was that thing I loved because of this reason or that reason or the other reason. And finding out that kind of stuff, like why, you know, why that character just spots somebody is so interesting that, you know, because it can be something where you're like, I, it was a thing that I did that I didn't think too much about it. And then you find out that for somebody, yeah, but that was really interesting because of X, Y, or Z. Um, that sort of stuff is amazing to find out. Yeah, especially like uh, a couple months ago, I got a chance to sit down with David Kay, who voiced you know Beast Wars Megatron. And I remember as a mm-hmm. kid growing up watching that show and being in love with that character, and just to be one not one to be able to just get him on the show was insane. And you know, sitting down and actually talking to him, I'm like, is this real? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and. You know, I, everybody is, is usually so eager to talk about it and happy to talk about it. And, you know, you, you get people who, uh, like, um, you know, uh, who is it? Oh, D. Bradley Baker has like a website that is amazing that he's put together for people of just resources for, for voice actors for ranging from, you know, the, the absolute complete neophyte who's never done anything. Um, before, but who's interested in it to there's stuff on there that, you know, I'll still go and look at, uh, at for reference. And he just did it because he was like, this is good information. This is, you know, I, I like being able to, to give people this information. This is the best way for people to have it. You know, this is the best way for the most people, possible people to have it. Like, and that's D doing that. Like you don't see, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. spending time doing something like that. You don't see, you know, a, a, you know, a movie star or, or a big TV star saying, oh, hold on, I'm just going to do something that's just going to help people who are interested in this and who are interested in, in getting into it or how you get into it or how it works or any of that kind of stuff. Um, another great example is uh, Steve Bloom, who actually offers, if you go to his website, he actually offers voiceover classes. You can sit down with him and actually, you know, learn yeah. from him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's amazing that uh, that people who are, as accomplished and as experienced and, and have done the amount of things that these people have, um, are still like, no, I, I've got stuff to, you know, I've got stuff to teach and I have experiences that I can give to people to help them. And I'm more than happy to. Um, and I, you know, I'm not saying that people in other 
areas of the industry don't have that same impulse or don't have that same, you know, uh, generosity. It's just, you see it more, it seems, with this area of it for whatever reason. Um, and it's nice. It's kind of nice to, to, to be around, you know, people who have that kind of outlook of like, Hey, what are you doing? How, you know, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What can I, you know, what can I tell you about? Um, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of nice to, yeah. What's these things? Uh, these site is called, I think it's called, uh, I, think it's I, wanna, called, like, I want to be a voice actor. Uh, I want to be a voice actor. Yeah. I have it like bookmarked somewhere. So I, I'd forgotten exactly what it was called, but yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, I'm, I'm presuming from that that that, uh, that you've heard of it or been to it before. Well, I mean, it's it's brought up in like every voice actor yeah. interview ever. So because that's the thing, like I guarantee you, everybody you talk to, it doesn't matter who they are, they still go to it to find information for themselves. And oh, like, yeah, I mean, because I mean, I I can tell like from the people I've talked to that they still are interested in learning new stuff. I mean, Dave, David K has been around for. You know, since the '90s, and he's still like trying to find ways to push himself further than he's already in. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and so that's the, yeah, that's the amazing thing about it. Like, I don't know anybody, and I haven't met anybody, no matter how you know how much they they work or how successful they are at, at doing this. That's not like no, no, no. Any new stuff that you know somebody can teach me it doesn't matter. You know, I have no ego about it. If there's stuff that I don't know how to do, or there's stuff that somebody else does better bring it on i want to you know i want to know and, especially like uh, when it comes to when it comes to stuff like accent inflection you know tone how to right. sound like you're let yelling but not really you know it's just like that's that sort of stuff like not a lot of people think about but it's important to the business it is it's you know it's you know what's funny is that like a lot of my work has been based around accent stuff because uh, you know i i i have an english accent kind of because i grew up back and forth between the u.s and the uk um, and so I, I do a lot of, a lot of my work is accents of various types, not just sort of standard English, but all sorts of things. Um, and the funny thing is like, I found that I'm, I'm way more accommodating of like accents and dialects, it seems, than a lot of people are, which I think, uh, I, I get weird reactions from people sometimes because they, they sort of go, yeah, but you, you do like a lot of your work is accents. So doesn't it drive you crazy? And the funny thing is, like, one of my closest friends, one of my college buddies, um, like, he and his younger brother grew up in the same house, went to the same schools, went to university in the same city, and they're from, you know, Massachusetts. And uh, my buddy has a very thick Massachusetts accent, and his little brother doesn't. His little brother has a bit of one, but not a thick one. And so, like, I, I use that as an example because I'm like, yeah, but some people, if, if they had heard, like, his younger brother doing that voice, do, you know, using his voice in a movie, would have been like, that's not a very good Boston accent. And if they heard my buddy, they go, well, yeah, that's what it should sound like. But the reality is they're both actual sort of genuine things, genuine, you know, genuine dialects. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, if somebody, if something is, like, egregiously bad, that's one thing. But, I, yeah, it, oddly, like, I, I don't, despite the fact that I do a ton of accent work, I don't get as, you know, I, I'm not quite as, as, uh, militant about accents being exactly what, you know, the idealized version of it is, um, that, um, that I don't know that maybe I should be, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I, you, there's too many people who are, you know, who you meet from a place that should have a heavy accent and don't have one like, yeah, but this person, this person is from, I don't know, Louisiana, but they do not have a Louisiana, you know, a, a, a Cajun accent. So 
if that person's in on something, you know, if that person's in a movie or in a TV show or something or other, that person's from there, but they don't have a, you know, a thick Cajun accent and that's okay. Um, there are always ones that are really bad though, where somebody's doing one that is so heavy it's distracting and that's, that's a different issue. <laughs> And plus, like, sometimes, like, you know, you get the stereotypical Russian accent, which is just, well, okay, what is it, what does that sound like? Oh, like every other Russian accent ever, you know? Sure, sure, yeah. There's some that, there's some that get a little, uh, get a little overused. Yeah. Uh, Nazi German is another one. <laughs> yeah. That's another one. Oh, and that's, that's one, like, I, 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 I did a, a an audiobook that, was a uh like a fiction thing that uh a fiction book that uh uh took place during the second world war and all of the characters were german and so there was the thing of like okay i'm not doing an entire book where everything is is in a german accent because that's going to be murder to listen to so it's a thing of like okay how heavy uh you know how how much of the stereotypical sort of nazi-esque german accent do you do and which characters do you do it on given that technically they're all fighting for the nazi you know for the Nazi army, but some are, some are people in hiding pretending to be Nazis who are actually, you know, just trying to escape. And yeah, it's, yeah, there's some of the accent stuff is, is, is sometimes it's a little, uh, it's a little wobbly to navigate. Like when you're, when you're, when you're playing like, you know, Torque, you're just like, okay, you gotta get the Scottish dialect right, or otherwise it sounds weird. <laughs> well, and like, there was, there was a, there, w- there would be some stuff where the, the, the writer of the show, uh, the, the writer of, of the thing is, uh, is English, but the, the, there was some stuff where they would come in, you know, when they would come in, they'd be like, yeah, we've got, um, we actually have a guy in the office who is Scottish, so there's some words where they, we would be like, we think this is the right pronunciation, but we're not entirely sure, so they would get him to read it and record it just so that we had it for reference because there's words that don't come up in general Scottish parlance that you have to record for Call of Duty. So you don't really, you, you can't really say, yeah, that's how a Scotsman would pronounce it because that doesn't exist. And the average Scotsman is never going to have to actually talk about that. So you have no idea. So we actually, yeah, they, they, they had a, a Scotsman in the office who would record. So they would, you know, all right, well, record the name of this weapon that we've created so that we know how it, it sounds. Um, so also knowing that, no, there, there are Scottish people working on this game who are going to be hearing this. So if I balls anything up too much, there's going to be somebody in the office just going, what the hell was, uh, was a little nerve wracking. Or my personal favorite when it comes to lazy accents, it's like, okay, this character's English. So it's either stereotypically, you know, posh English or the cockney call everybody a wanker English. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and and especially with English, there's just so bloody many of them. Like, you know, you go one mile one direction or another and the people sound completely different, that it's, yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot there to play with. Um, you know, in, in the UK, there's just, there's, there's so many different things to play with, uh, accent wise. And it's funny, like, I can do a lot of them, but there's some things in the UK that you, like, I have never been able to do Welsh. I just, I can't do Welsh. That is such a bloody hard accent. Can't do it. And I've tried. I've been trying to do that one for 20 years. Cannot get it. Um, and like the, the one I mentioned earlier in the States, like the Boston accent. I went to university in Boston. Still can't do a good Boston accent. It's just difficult. Like there's some accents that are just really hard to do. And so oh, some of those. Uh, the, the South African one I know is, is one that also is a pain in the ass to get right. Yeah, South African is tough. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> 
there's actually there, there's a, another voice of actor who grew up in in town who grew up in south uh in south africa who has a very similar voice print to me um and so like anytime a south african thing comes up i'm like yeah that's probably gideon's job because he's gonna he's gonna be able to to he's gonna be better at that south african accent than i am Oh, Gideon's, uh, Gideon Armley is great when it comes to that sort of thing. Oh, he's phenomenal. Yeah, and it's funny. He, I remember, uh, when we met, we, we had worked with the same agent and we ran it, you know, we were there at one point, I don't know, a year or two ago, um, and we're chatting, met and we're chatting for 20 minutes or so. And it turns out he was born really close to where I grew up in the UK, but then like, you know, I, I think as a kid, um, moved to South Africa. So, like he's got the South African accent down perfectly, um, but you know also he his I think his parents were English I'm not sure, um, but you know was born in the UK and so uh, yeah like anything that comes up with South African I'm like that's that's Gideon's he's he's going to be better at that than I am, um, but uh, but yeah South African is a is a is a really particular one too it's real easy for that one to slip into other things there's some accents that just like. If you're not careful, they slip into a different accent and you suddenly find yourself you're like, oh, I was doing Australian. How did I end up doing North London? Oh, okay, yeah, that's Australian's another one that's really hard to, to get right. Well, Australian and New Zealand, because they're different. Yeah, yeah, they really are. But you've got to know. And so, like, you know, you know, obviously Australians and New Zealanders know instantly. But if you, uh, you know, if you listen to, to, Chris Hemsworth or one of the guys from Flight of the Concords, you're like, oh yeah, that is a different voice. That's a different accent. But, you, you know, they're close enough that if you're not really familiar with it, it kind of sounds similar. So yeah, differentiating between those two is really tough. And it's, and it's not just, oh, you know, Australian, so Paul Hogan, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially now that there's so many Australians and New Zealanders, you know, that are, are working and that are well-known and that you can pull you know, interviews of and listen to them and go, oh yeah, that's not, that's not what that sounds like. Um, you know, gone are the days where everybody just sounded sort of like standard mid-Atlantic American or posh British. Uh, they're, uh, they're sort of all over the shop now. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it, the accent stuff is, is, uh, it's a tricky one. I've, I've been really lucky in that I've, I've been able to do a, a good amount of stuff, uh, you know, a good amount of stuff around accents, but there's, there's some which it doesn't matter, you know, how long I've been doing it or how many, how much time I've spent practicing. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's just not one that I'm going to even submit stuff for because I, I just can't do that one. It's just too difficult. Like I said, like I, I've been trying to figure out Welsh for two decades and that is just a bastard of an accent. It's an amazing one, but it's not easy. So I don't expect you to be playing a Welsh character anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, look, if somebody asks me and I do it and they like it, then that's fine. But uh, unless they get a lot of work on it, um, I don't. I don't think I'm probably. Uh, I'm probably going to get cast in that anytime soon. Um, Our Jamaican bartender. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's other ones where you just, you know, there, there, there was. I remember there was a uh, there was an audition that came through a few years ago. Um, and I, I just sort of, and it was for, an, I think they were, I think it was a, I don't know what it was for, whether it was for a TV show or for a, uh, an animated film or something or a video game. But there was, you know, in, in the slew of auditions that came through one night, I looked at them, was looking down them, and one of them was, was for uh, uh, Black Panther. And I just went, yeah, I'm not even auditioning for that. That's, I, 
I'm not, I'm just not auditioning for that role because it doesn't matter if I have the perfect voice for Black Panther. That's not, I shouldn't be playing that role. Um, and so there, there's some things as well that come up and you just go, you know, there's a certain, like I, I was saying that there's a certain thing in voiceover where you, you know, you get to do stuff that isn't necessarily you, but there's other stuff where you just have to look at and go, yeah, but I shouldn't be playing that. Like the right person should be playing that and that's not me. Um, so, you know, depending on, on what it is, there's certain stuff as well that you, even if you can do a, a good voice for you go, yeah, that's, that's somebody else's job. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, crossing the line of what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, 30 years ago, people, you know, 30, 30, 40 years ago, there were, you know, 11 people who were full-time voice actors and they kind of did everything. So it was a sort of a different situation. Now, you know, you can find people who fit every role. It's like, I know that, uh, 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 Andrea Toyas at, at uh, Blizzard does a, does like puts a lot of effort into finding, you know, for, for Overwatch, finding the right people with the, the right voices and the right backgrounds and everything for the characters. Um, you know, she wants to make sure that if a, if a character has a certain background that she finds an actor who actually has some knowledge of that and has some of that background so that, you know, they can speak to it genuinely. And that's kind of amazing that, you know, people are actually putting in the time and the effort to do that these days. Well, yeah, I mean, because, you know, back in the 80s, they're like, oh, you know, we need a stereotypical Arab character. Let's just get whoever. Who cares? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, it was a, they were, they were a little less careful with that stuff. And, and that's like, you know, I've, I've had stuff, uh, I had something, uh, come in a couple of years ago from, uh, a, uh, uh something that I, I, they cost some, a religious production company that I will not get into details of had decided they wanted to cast me for something playing, uh, you know, a, an Arabic character. And I sort of looked at it and looked at what it was and I just went, yeah, I'm not doing this. This is, there's nothing about this, which is okay. And I was looking at it going, I have a feeling the reason why you're not going with them, uh, with an Arabic actor is probably because none, no Arabic actor would be willing to do this. So there's no way I'm doing this. Like that's, this is not something that you should be doing. Um, so there's certain things where you, you know, it is not often where you get a, a chance to, to look at something and, and, uh, or it's not often that you look at something and, and it's so black and white of this is no, I'm not doing this. This is not appropriate. It's very, very rare, but there are instances. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of glad like that the industry is like being more careful now. I mean, they're just, you know, cause one, it sounds better. And two, you know, you kind of, avoid you know longevity right you can you can look back on something now and say oh well you know it's not so bad <laughs> now looking back at it yeah yeah it's yeah i think it's it's definitely they are they are definitely getting better about across you know as a whole they're getting better about casting the right people for things and also about looking at, at characters they write and things that they create and, and figuring out you know a honest portrayals and, and more, you know, broad, uh, more broadly trying to write stuff that, you know, appeals to more people and, and, uh, has characters in it that are identifiable to more people. But, uh, still, you know, we'll get better at it, but it's definitely, it's definitely better than it was. 
Oh, God, yeah, because, uh, <laughs> you know, the old Hanna-Barbera stuff has not aged well. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, there's, there's a good handful of stuff, of stuff which you go back and look at and you go, oh. Yeah, it's especially difficult when you look at stuff from your childhood that you remember fondly and you just go, oh, that's, that's not okay and I didn't see that at the time. Well, I mean, because you're a kid, you didn't really care about that sort of you did, stuff. Yeah. And also, you know, you're a kid, you don't care about it, and, and half the time it's referencing things that you don't even know what the reference is until you go back and watch it, and you go, oh, that was talking about something that I, you know, I didn't even know existed at the time, because I was six. But, uh, yeah, it's always disappointing when you go back and see something that you loved as a kid and go, oh, now there's a whole bunch of stuff about it that is just, that just kind of ruins it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like you know, watching the old Transformers stuff and all the fucking racism on that. Show. <laughs> you know what? I haven't done that. I've never seen some of the old Transformers stuff. Is it is some of it really bad? Oh, the Arab stuff is was well, the Arab stuff was so bad. Casey oh. Kasem actually walked out. That's you know. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's oh. that's one of the one of the one of the uh, urban legends because you know he was Lebanese and he's like yeah. you know I, I he's like I don't mind you having. You know, a Gaddafi stand-in, but is there a good Arab character? And he's like, no, there isn't, and he just walked out. Oh, good for him. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. Yeah, no, it's it, like I watched Transformers a ton as a kid, but it's one that I like. I haven't, I haven't, I don't think I've seen an episode of like the old Transformers series in, oh, in it is, it is twenty-five, crap, yes. thirty years. <laughs> oh God, I kind of, I there's that, there's that, the murderous no the, the, there's that like e part of me that wants to go and watch it now that that it's part of me that's like no 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 just take his word for it that it's uh, that it's terrible you don't need to actually go and revisit it and then there's a part of me that's sort of saying to me to me yeah no you need to see that to see the bits you missed uh, and as a kid you never noticed the terrible animation that's another thing <laughs> well that's fair enough i used to yeah i, I used to watch yogi bear movies that uh, and, and series and i look back on them now and go Things have advanced since then. Because uh, I was especially like watching like some of the old Batman uh, animated series stuff a couple of days ago, and I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, the frame rate on this is not very good because it's animated in cells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny though. I, I it's weird the old cartoons and things that sort of stick in your memory. Like I, I always drive people crazy because there was a cartoon in the 80s when I was a kid that I, I don't know how much I watched of it, but I watched enough that it vaguely stuck. And every time I mention it to people, they kind of get furious because the theme song like gets stuck in their head and they're like, I'm going to be singing that bloody song for the next week. Don't do that. Um, and, you know, it's like, I, I just remember I watched so many different cartoons and things as a kid that like the weirdest ones sort of stick in your head and that there's stuff that I'll watch now or see reference now and just sort of go oh my god I totally forgot about that one but yeah there was a period where I watched that non-stop for like three months yeah it's and yeah and like there's a part of you that's like oh I gotta go back and look at them now and then there's a part of you that goes I enjoyed them then why am I gonna look at them now and see what <laughs> what the things are that I go oh that's not good whether it's the I mean, bad I mean, I mean in, in, in all fairness like despite some of the animation you know, inconsistencies. Batman the animated series is still like one of the best, if not the greatest, sure, uh, animated show out there. To be quite sure. honest, you know, yeah. the writing and and the acting and everything else was just so good that you know, it, the animation being bad in a couple episodes <coughs> didn't matter. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing the things that you're able to. You know, if if 
if the holistically like the story they're telling and the way they're telling it is great there's a lot of other stuff that you can overlook and be like yeah that's fine that doesn't matter like would it be would it be nice if it was if the animation was perfect or if this was great sure but we know you know we get the story we know what's happening and it still works it's yeah, well, uh, you know it is it is what it is and you know as much as i would love to keep uh, continuing this i you know i got to have to wrap it up cuz i kind of you know, sure thing <laughs> yeah no absolutely i uh, i i appreciate it is a uh, it is a, an ungodly hour of the day for you so uh no i i cuz i got to got to get ready to work for work and all that stuff but yeah i enjoyed this man thank you so much thank absolutely so mate much. i did too i uh, i had a great time and uh, it's you know like I said, it's always fun to, to talk about this stuff and it's always fun to, to, to get into sort of talk about some of the, the old cartoons and things like that because, oh God, some of those just, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, they just stick. So yeah, so this was th- great. So th- uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you're welcome to come back anytime you want and, uh, you know, any, anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? You know, now's your chance. Thank you. No, I'm. Uh, I think I'm good. I'm. Uh, I've enjoyed this. Uh, I've enjoyed this a ton. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. And uh, yeah, have a great work day.